0: Hey there, you're listening to What The Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're gonna riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What The Riff. Here's a shout out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business. Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the
1: Riff?
2: The last of the United States, British, and French troops leave West Berlin, ending its military occupation. Muslim fundamentalists kidnap and behead 16 citizens in Algeria, and 909 people die in Estonia. Ferry capsizes and sinks in the Baltic Sea. This is September 1994, and you're listening to What
1: the Rip. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian, and I'm Bruce.
2: And Bruce brings this album. What you got, what I
1: gentlemen? This is Blues Traveler formed in Princeton, New Jersey in 1987. And I was confused. I really thought they were more of a southern group. You know, they've got that southern sound. Yeah, it does sound like it, doesn't it? So, when when y'all hear Blues Traveler, what are you thinking? What kind of music do you think? Southern rock, like you mentioned.
2: Okay.
0: I picture a guy in a fedora with dark sunglasses on, Okay, singing kind of almost a jazzy, bluesy thing. Memphis, maybe. Right, right.
2: All I see is a guy with a vest of harmonicas (laughs) and pulling them out each time he wants to sing or do a harmonica. There you you
1: go. So they're hard to pigeonhole. I mean, that's the thing. Um, They're a little blues rock, a little prog rock, uh, psychedelic, funk southern jam band. I mean, they're kind of all over the place.
2: I'd almost say jam band. That's, yeah. That's sort of, well,
1: that's really at the heart of it. They really are a jam band. Um, they were, uh, this is, the, the album that we're listening to today is Four, which is their fourth studio album, and it is, uh, this is the one that where they really hit mainstream. And the song we're listening to is Hook. It is the second single from the album. It peaked at number 23 on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, it wasn't released as a single until August '95, but this is when the album came out. Oh, so okay. I figured we'd catch this. And what what is a hook?
2: I music a, catch, it's, it's, a catchphrase or something. Yeah, yeah, music's catchphrase is something that just ties in the uh, the whole song. And right, basically, hook you you're, you're, Yeah, you're going to sit there and repeat this same same thing over and over again. Right. And that's
1: exactly what this is. The hook, and it's funny, if you've got to listen to the lyrics, the lyrics are just hilarious because he's basically saying, it doesn't matter what I'm singing, it doesn't matter what I say, it doesn't matter what I'm doing here, the hook's going to bring you back. So it's a pop song that is denigrating pop songs and the people that are listening to pop songs. (laughs) Smooth. The first line, it says, It doesn't matter what I say, so long as I sing with inflection that makes you feel I'll convey some inner truth or vast reflection. But nothing I've said so far, and I can keep it up for as long as it takes. It doesn't matter who you are. If I'm doing my job, then it's your resolve that breaks. Wow. I
2: just thought that was hilarious. There's your harmonica solo.
1: Yep. So... It's um if you listen to the uh, the, the music, the the chord progression here it's Pachelbel's Canon. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Listen to the the way it kind of has that descending sound which is kind yeah. of the ultimate hook. I right, mean right, lots right. of people have used Pachelbel's Canon.
2: Yep. Bun. Yeah, I can hear it.
1: That's it. And then this, this segment is almost a wrap. Almost a well, that's a hook for me, Bruce. I'm going to say right now. He's got me now. <laughs> you, you had me at hello.
3: <laughs> I do think that I thought of them as kind of a
0: Memphis... Band like yeah. yeah out of Memphis almost like a Blind Willie or something.
1: Well, that was the thing, and, and one of the reasons I picked this, uh, Rob had a, uh, a staff pick um, a, a little bit ago where he said, "I just wanted to find out more about the band," and that was kind of the thing for me. I just wanted to find out more about the band because I enjoyed their music, but I really didn't know that much.
3: I just know back in the mid '90s, these guys were all over the radio '96 oh, yeah. Back, you know. They, 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 well,
2: they play these it's all easy the time. listening too. Oh yeah! It's not. It, it's more. It's it's you're you're swaying back and forth to the music. It's not head banging. You know, it's not oh, no. the grunge yeah. that was going on. This was really kind of out of left fields. You know, mm-hmm. the, You know, you had that bro rock that was about ready to emerge. And that was gonna. You know. It, it just had a good feel to it.
1: Yeah, it did. I agree. So the band formed as a high school garage band. In uh, one of the and in one of the basement jam sections, a black cat wandered by, and that kind of became the theme to the band. You know, the the black cat. You'll see that on the album. Yeah, the album. It looks like Pete the Cat or something. Yeah. Now, this is a deeper cut. Stand this is uh, this is, and I just I picked this because it's just a funky song. It reminds me of Try Sly and the Family Stone. Maybe maybe a little just bit of uh, Stevie Wonder. Yeah, I'm thinking Stevie
3: Wonder is. Yeah. Now, how did they
2: decide that they're going to kind of put the harmonica as sort of forefront of the group?
1: Oh, uh, that's a good question. So, so, the members of the group, um, it was, uh, let me see if I can remember. So, the front man is the harmonica player, and that's John Popper. Um, and he's also the primary songwriter. And then, guitarist. Chan Kinshla, bassist Bobby Sheehan, and drummer Brendan Hill are all the the, the members. And uh, Popper just really got into the harmonica. And uh, so that's kind of where they they went with it. They were originally named the Establishment and then renamed Blues Band, and they became Blues Traveler with inspiration from Ghostbusters.
2: Really? How, How does that come about?
1: Do you remember Gozer the Traveler?
2: Oh, okay. That oh, was one okay. of the demons. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes. I get it now. So, uh, this
1: is uh, the, the this song. the The lyrics talk about stand, stand, and walk. Tragedy is cheap, and so is talk. Decision yours to make. What you will do in the end, it comes back to you because it's a long way to way fall. To fall.
3: Ah.
2: Well, I've seen Blues Traveler twice. Uh, yeah, once it was at a company benefit. I was I uh, was at Lowe's and they had a thing for all the contractors and uh, Jimmy Johnson was there, who was the number forty eight car in NASCAR. Yeah, and he was sponsored by Lowe's and he brought Blues Traveler in and. Mm-hmm. and- here comes these, this really big guy. I don't know, John Poppers.
1: Yeah, he's good. I
2: think he's lost some weight, but, man, I think he's like 6'4". At right. the time, was probably weighing 300 pounds and then had this vest. Like I said before, of nothing but different harmonicas. And then I saw it again, and actually Brian reminded me. We, we saw him where? What was? What? Candler
3: Park at an outdoor concert from one of the local radio stations. Opening for Blues Travelers was... Driving and crying, so that we had a kind of a one-two punch there with the super bands.
1: Excellent. The um, the the this, this song that we're listening to, "Stand." I, I read on song meanings that uh, one of the comments said that John Popper wrote this after his motorcycle accident. He had had a, a motorcycle That's accident. That's right. I
2: remember that. Yeah, yeah, it was actually pretty bad.
1: Yeah. Well, he performed in a wheelchair for a while. Yeah. And I am going to say he's where he's got
0: a cane. Uh, in his hand, in a lot of the pictures. Oh yeah, he's holding a cane. So.
2: Well, he,
1: uh, he, in around the third album, he uh, he had a motorcycle accident, real bad. Had to perform in a wheelchair for a while, and um, he was overweight, and just things seemed hopeless. And so this was kind of a, all right, pull yourself up.
2: Top okay, of thing. now we, we need to talk to musicians and go, hey, look. Don't ride motorcycles. (laughs) Don't take heroin. You know, I mean, we can start marking off some things that, you know, just that'll kill your butt.
1: That's funny. Oh, this song was recorded before they had a permanent keyboardist. So who is that on the, who's that tickling the ivories over there?
2: I'm going to guess Bruce Hornsby. (laughs)
1: I'll go with Don Henley. How about... Paul Schaefer, ladies and gentlemen. Really? Oh, that's yeah. a good match. So David Letterman had them on the show back around the time their second album uh, came out, and he had introduced them as his favorite band. And according to Wikipedia, the band has been made more appearances on The Late Show than any musical artist.
2: I never bridged that gap to The Late Show. I was a late night with David Letterman, you know, when he was yeah. on After Carson. You know, and I'd record it and watch it the next morning on the VCR, and of course I'd fast forward through all the commercials like you do now with TiVo. But yeah, I, I didn't make that bridge. I, I it it didn't seem as funny to me at that time. Yeah. Not as carefree.
0: You can really tell that you can get that jam band feel yeah. on this song. Well, kind and of that's going the thing—one movement to another—and mm-hmm.
1: yeah, they, they and that's what they're known for is is being a jam band. They actually have a. Um, they started the horde concert.
2: Oh yeah, I remember that.
1: Oh, I like this part—the scat part.
2: Oh ah, yeah, That's like old-fashioned that. jazz stuff. Yeah. It does have a little jazzy flair to it. I listen to the drummer; and he's he's keeping more of a, a jazz beat. Oh, they could mm-hmm. they
1: could be a headliner down in New Orleans, couldn't they? Yeah. Oh, it's gonna check out this ending. I like the way that they just drop off here. Nice. But very good. All right. This is another deep cut, and I picked this just because it shows you kind of the, the range of of sound that you get out of... Uh, Th- that out did of sound like album. Bruce Hornsby. It did, didn't it? So, uh, yeah, Blues Traveler is known as a jam band, and very similar to the Grateful Dead, they uh, they encourage fans to record their live performances. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So, so were the,
3: were, did the, was the Grateful Dead... A, an influence on this
1: man good question um oh, well, I, I don't sure know I didn't were. see that but i'm am sure that i' I'm, I'm sure they were it uh, but they they travel in such similar you know circles mm-hmm. um,
2: at this time you could have had widespread panic, I guess after dad and then it was the fish yeah, yeah, blues traveler all in one giant. Concert yeah. group, yeah, it would have been pretty, pretty uh, hazy, I guess, would be the word to say. <laughs> a lot of thick smoke
1: hanging overhead. Is that what you're saying? I right. Decided, this song is is about carrying on after setbacks or hard back, heartache, heartbreak, and and not giving up. So there's one verse in there that says, uh, "If you want peace, then live alone. If you want to hide, then find a stage." Which I thought was that was an interesting thing. Each a brief but perfect home to accommodate your rage. Hmm. And this feels it feels kind of Pink Floydy to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, it really does. That's a good good thought. So not only can you you can record their live performances, but if they also sell recordings of that night's performance at their shows.
2: Ah, oh, So
1: you can go and, like, if you want to buy that show that you're attending, mm-hmm. you can go buy the CD and then pick it up after, after the show. Okay. I thought that was kind of interesting. The group went to, you know, they, I said they were from Princeton, New Jersey, so they went to New York, and they shared an apartment along with their high school friend, Chris Barron. And Baron joined Popper and Hill in a band called the Trucking Company. And um, after Popper and Hill left to focus on Blues Traveler, the Trucking Company the Trucking Company changed their name to Spin Doctors. Oh.
2: Ah, yeah. I think that's maybe an album we needed to probably do too eventually, because that was a, that was a very big album. Yeah. But to digress back to Princeton, yeah. I don't know if you've, anybody's been to Princeton. New Jersey really has a bad name cuz most people see New Jersey from New York. And yeah. you think it's some desolate area. Princeton's yeah. r- right in the center of the of the of the state and it is truly a garden state. Yes. That campus is wonderful. It is it is lights out probably one of your historic campuses that looks classic. Mm-hmm. You know, that has these old buildings and things like that and trees. I mean, it is woodlands, gardens, well, they call, this it, area. they call it
0: the Garden
1: State. Yeah, yeah. That and is, you don't think about it being that. And, then, and, and Wayne is exactly right. You're thinking Newark when you think New Jersey. But the not, rest please. of New Jersey is gorgeous. <laughs> Gosh.
0: Sorry to our fans
1: who Sorry, are listening. Sorry yeah, to all from, of our fans from Newark. Huh? Yeah. Sorry you're there.
0: There's a note here about some bands that he played with. Jam bands, Spin Doctors, Dave Matthews Band, Fish, and the Allman Brothers. And yeah. then um, there was a mention here that uh, he did a he performed with the Grateful Dead at a tribute to Bill Graham in 1991. Well, there's a okay. connection. There is a connection. Yeah, there's a connection there. Yeah, in
1: 1992, so just before a couple of years before this album came out, they started the Horde Festival, Horizons of Rock, developing everywhere, and um, they also play an independent show at Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. Usually on two nights, July third and July fourth. Have you ever been there, Red Rocks? No, I'd love to go. Have you been there? Anybody?
2: I've been. Yes, I've yeah. been. Not for a concert, but I went. Yeah, we just. Same here. It just. We were driving by and just saw Red Rocks, and my yeah. daughter and I goes, "Well, we've got two hours before to waste, so yeah. we went over there, and it was an early Saturday morning or Sunday morning, and it was packed full of people running up and down these this hewn rock amphitheater. Yeah. That is absolutely
1: gorgeous. I'd love to go there. That would be a bucket list thing to do, well, would it?
3: Well, it is. It's, it's one of my bucket list items is because I've been there, but not for a concert, just to walk around it. Uh-huh. It is truly a beautiful
1: Something place. special. Sounds it? like really a What the riff road trip. I hear you. Let's go. On Independence Day, yeah. we can catch booze traveling. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, they,
2: they have a museum in there, and I went in there, and I was just sitting there going, oh, the Beatles played here. And they had a ticket and it was five dollars, and I went five dollars to see the Beatles at Red Rock. Are you kidding me? Wow! Heck yeah! That's yeah.
1: terribly expensive, though. If you think about it, in the night in nineteen seventy, what? No, this was 68? no, this was six.
2: This was sixty-five. That tour, yeah. okay. 65. sixty-five.
1: A five-dollar ticket. That's expensive. Yeah, it yeah, probably
2: was at that time, but still, I. <laughs> I'll buy, I'd rather go time travel and find some old coinage, you know. Get me some wheat pennies, buffalo nickels. <laughs> you know? I got to tell you,
1: around this time, a little bit before this, I told myself I would never spend $5 to go to a movie because movies were like 2 dollars $3, of course, dollar movies and things like that. Of course, mm-hmm. now you can't get in for less than about 15 bucks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's true if they're ever open.
1: <laughs> that's right. All right. This oh, is the yes. song everybody's heard. Indeed. This is Runaround. Do you know what this is about?
2: Uh, well, basically, girlfriend. somebody giving
1: you the runaround just trying to avoid you. Okay, girlfriend
2: that's running around on
1: you. All right. Close, oh, close. Any thoughts, Rob? Here we go. Round, round, round. <laughs> You spin Mom me baby, right, baby, round,
2: baby, you know, right round, baby, right round, like oh. a record, baby, right round.
1: <laughs> this, this is a song about being stuck in the friend zone.
2: <laughs> oh God, man! I was when I was young, I would, I would, I would put myself in the friend zone so fast so it wasn't even funny.
1: So, it, it, when the band first formed, they had a female bass player named Felicia Lewis, and John Popper had a crush on her, and nothing ever happened, but he got a good song out of it. Said uh, it, this song won the 1995 Grammy for Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal. Do you remember the video to this song? Nope. Okay, this is a great video. Oh, we'll have to post it for sure. Yeah, definitely, because it's about. Um, it, it's done in the Wizard of Oz fashion, but Dorothy and and her friends are trying to get into this concert, and they're not they're not allowed. They're underage or whatnot, and so. While when they finally get into the concert, you know, these guys are dancing around and playing their harmonica and all of this. And Blues Traveler is sitting behind the curtain and they're all just sitting there playing and watching on a video as these guys are performing. So it's kind of a Milly Vanilli takeoff, right? It's a, it's a funny video. Okay. That's great. I'll have to watch that. John Popper is kind of a rare breed in the music industry. He's an outspoken libertarian. Who leans Republican? And um, he said, according Wikipedia said, he said, I was a bleeding heart liberal until I got a job.
2: (laughs) I've been there. Oh, when the government starts taking a lot of your money, and they were making millions off of this, and suddenly you're you're less. You know, you made platinum records, and suddenly you're like, wait a minute, we still owe you money.
1: Right. Exactly. He's also a big Second Amendment proponent, and he collects a lot of weaponry. Um, one of the things I saw, it said, uh, in 2007, his car was stopped for speeding, and um, the, the vehicle had a stash of hidden compartments which contained four rifles, nine handguns, a switchblade knife, a taser, a set of brass knuckles, and night vision goggles. <laughs>
2: Wow. Okay, everything there was legal except for the switchblade.
1: Bingo. All the weapons were registered and locked away and no charges were filed. He did have to surrender the brass knuckles and the switchblade.
2: Wow.
1: Did it say why he was uh, so insecure? He, <laughs> he as the joke goes, who who are you afraid of? Not a person. <laughs> no, he he would when he traveled, he went to all these gun ranges, uh, and uh, but he did. He collected weaponry. He in he fact, I think he collected a cannon at one point, which I believe it's illegal to own a cannon. It's legal to own a flamethrower in the United States.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Elon Musk sold flamethrowers <laughs> a few years back.
1: Well, he wasn't able to sh- to ship them, uh, so he labeled them not a flamethrower. <laughs>
2: I think people bought them just to melt snow.
1: Pretty much. But this was, I think Wayne hit it. It, At the time, there just wasn't a lot of kind of mainstream music. And this kind of fit that bill of mainstream music. It wasn't grunge. It wasn't, you know, overly produced. In fact, um, around 2000, Blues Traveler went independent. So they kind of do their own thing now.
2: They still are out there touring. Oh yeah! I, I mean, I, I've I've seen them pop up all over the place. So yeah. I I've seen them twice. That's all I really care to see them anymore. I'm, I'd I'm, like
1: to see them. I think this would be a fun one to see. And the harmonica work oh, is yeah. just fantastic. I mean, there are very few people that can play. But that he's way.
2: no Bob Dylan.
1: <laughs> yes, and we're our, all our new pleased young. with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. That was that was awesome. Oh, that was a fun one to do. All
2: right, we're gonna move on now to our entertainment pick. And if you had, if you were young at this time or had kids at that time, this was on the TV in the afternoon.
1: It's the Magic School Bus.
3: This is probably why I never saw it because I was at work.
2: (laughs)
1: <laughs> you gotta work actually yeah who was Miss Frizzle
2: <laughs> this is actually fun uh she was the one the teacher in this so. do you
1: remember the uh, who who
2: did the voice of no, I did Frizzle? not hey, Lily Tomlin oh really really I think I do remember that now well else in uh September 94 there was friends started <laughs> mm-hmm. we've already did this song ER premiered party of five. My ex loved to watch that one. Suzanne Summer Show and the Martin Short Show. I think they'd give anybody a show then. Touched by an Angel. Hmm. That was a big one. And now we're going to move on to our staff pick. And whose staff pick we've got now? Uh Uh-oh. I think this is the number one song of September 94 and must be Brian's pick.
3: Absolutely. I just... This song has always been one of my favorites from that era. I enjoy it, this one too. It's still played often today. It's a beautiful and song. Guilty it really pleasure. Is. And, and her voice is just so Great smooth. Voice. Yeah. Lisa Loeb, ladies and gentlemen. This song is called Stay and The Horn Rim Glasses. Uh, I missed you what? The Horn Rim Glasses. Yes. The video is very interesting too because she, her friend is Ethan Hawke. Okay. A- and Ethan Hawke had listened to her, and, and 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 some she played, you know, in clubs and things like that. Really wasn't serious about what she was doing. At the matter of fact, at the, at the time that she uh, this song was released, she was working as a contract for Ernst and Young. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> you guys know who Ernst and Young is, and, and I'm sure most of our listeners do. They're very big into helping corporates, you know, uh, uh, corporations with internal audits and accounting and things like that. So I'm very familiar with Ernst and Young. But anyway. Ethan Hawke, he's the, actually the guy, if you look, we put the video out on our, our Facebook page, he is the one that actually filmed and produced her video. Hmm. And the cat that appears in the front part of the video, uh-huh. that's Ethan Hawke's cat. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a glimpse of stardom into Ethan Hawke. But this, is, this was from the movie that Ethan Hawke was in, Reality Bites. Right. I never saw the movie. Was it a good movie?
1: Yeah. I don't know, but the soundtrack is yeah, awesome. Yeah,
2: we we spotlighted most of the songs on the soundtrack as as a um, an album pick, and I just left this one off because it was the number one song. Yeah, so.
0: that's a great song, and
3: it was a huge break for Lope. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, number one, and so she before this song became a hit, she performed her she performed it at her shows, which mm-hmm. it is amazing. just and, and Hawk went in to hear it. And he goes, I want that in that movie. <laughs> I mean, how cool is that? He just made it Timing happen. Timing is everything. Yes. Yes, you, it know, is. you just never know when you're going to catch that one break. And so one of the, one of the things she talks about in Song Facts, she says, uh, when she, tur- you know, listening to the lyrics, she said, I turned the radio on, I turned the radio up, and this woman was singing my song. Well, unfortunately for her, she had gone through several heartaches. Mm-hmm. And so she's basically sharing because she said most of the time her songs were fictional mm-hmm. but in this case she's talking about it and something in her life that happened to her and you know the, the guy that she was dating at the time it was basically said she just talks and talks and talks and basically just you know all i'm asking you to do is
1: stay i like this is another one i like the way it ends kind of leaves you hanging there doesn't it just a i just love her
3: voice
2: Nice. Now we're going back to another staff pick to Rob. Yes. And we're still sticking to the female lead. Hey. This ain't no disco. Oh, really? What is it, Rob? It ain't no country club. It either. ain't
3: no
1: country club. Well, then what is it?
3: Well, this
2: is LA.
0: Lower Alabama. Yes. So this the is Cheryl Crow. All I want to do off of her debut album, it's Tuesday Night know. Music Club. This is the song was written by Crow, David Bearwald, Bill Bottrell, and Kevin Gilbert, who we featured a little earlier. Big, I'm a big fan of Kevin I, Gilbert.
1: I have become a convert to Kevin Gilbert.
0: This put her on the charts at number two, and this was her, as I said, debut album. It came out in 1993. It, this is from September 1994. We're listening to it. Guess where that first line came from? Well, I know this is so all no li- disco.
1: Oh, This Ain't No Disco, that's from uh, Talking Heads. Heads. Yes,
0: it was from the Talking Heads, Life During Wartime. So she picked that up. The lyrics for this song were actually from a poem called Fun by a guy named Wynn Cooper that he wrote in 1987. It was based on a bar conversation with a friend who said to him during the conversation, all I want is to have a little fun before I die. (laughs) Apropos of nothing...
2: Did he get credit for writing them?
0: Yeah, so he did. He said he said the poem's not really about this guy or me, they're different people. What we would have become if we continued to drink and do nothing with our lives. So Crow had a song and it was called I Still Love You, but she didn't like the lyrics. So she got her melody from that song and adapted this poem to it and it became All I Wanna Do. Cooper did get royalties. So well, that was nice of her. Yeah. Unlike so, some other
3: bands, they just borrow. Yeah, right. You know, things, she stuff.
0: was uh, from Missouri, I believe it is, but she went to a Kennett High School. She was a majorette and an all-state track athlete. You can tell that when you look at her, don't Yeah, da, she's, she? she's pretty she's solid. healthy. Yeah, and then she went to University of Missouri and got a degree in music, composition, performance, and education. And she did some jingles for uh, a spot for a department store in St. Louis. She's done McDonald's and Toyota. I like that being an ad guy. It's something about personal about this. This was really cool, hanging out in the bar. It, you know, this is L.A. So as a uh, as a young ad guy, my first trip to L.A. I went out with my partner, Tom. We went to meet with a Fox sports executive in 1994 to discuss doing some work for the 1996 Olympics. We thought we were hot stuff, you know, flying out to L.A. And we, we were at a bar called Spago's, and uh, Tony Curtis came and sat down next to us and kind of talked to him for a few minutes. And we're sitting there,
2: uh, you know, at a bar. Then Jamie Lee Curtis showed <laughs> up. <and> then- <laughs> Looking at the car
0: wash across the street,
3: yeah, you know. But she did, you know, one of the things that uh, I remember most about Cheryl Crow is back when Michael Jackson's Bad Tour, mm-hmm. she sang Back Up. Yes, yeah. she did. And she is the one that sang, uh, if you ever watch the video, there's a concert video. She's the one that sings, uh, you know, I, just job, I Just Can't you. Stop Loving You. Yep. And she's got the big 80s hair, but does a fantastic job mm-hmm. and hits those very high notes. So I, I was very impressed with that.
2: Yeah. She was romantically involved with Lance Armstrong, though. the, the yeah. bike racer, too. She,
0: she was. She dated Eric Clapton, Owen Wilson, Lance Armstrong. She ended up, I uh, saw, in May of 2007, she said she'd adopted a boy. And uh, in June of 2010, she adopted another one. And now she lives in West Nashville, Tennessee with her two boys. Hmm. We know a guy who lives in... Uh, we got our friend uh, Dale, who lives in Nashville, and he's heard her name come up a couple times, and some people that have bumped into her in Nashville. So, but this 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 music just means a little bit to me from being out in LA and being the hot shot ad guy and sitting out on the Sunset Strip. So nice. hope you enjoyed that. Now we're going around, back around to Wayne.
2: am going to grunge it out, but we're still sticking with female lead singers. We here. are. Wow. This is Veruca Salt.
3: What kind of salt is that?
2: Veruca. Did the little spoiled rich girl from yes. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory grow <laughs> up and start this song?
1: When I saw the name, that's what I was thinking. Is this from Willy Wonka?
2: Well, no. These are actually two uh, women that actually just decided to take... The name, uh, and, and they're not short and orange, <laughs> exactly. Okay, Nina Gordon wrote the song, it's either, and Luis Post is the other uh, lyricist on this, along with uh, playing guitar. Jim Shapiro is the drummer, and on bass is Steve Black. This song really never hit the charts on like Billboard. If you remember, it's more of an alternative song. I heard it on, 99. yeah, I've heard yeah. yeah. this. Yes, indeed. But, and it was—it did make the modern track for billboard, but it did not make it for uh, Billboard. Yeah. But it, it became a hit on MTV, uh, alternative radio stations, college radio stations, and everything. The song is seether. Anybody know what seether means?
0: Seether. Seether. It's got to be mean. Like you're seething uh, with anger.
2: It, it's sort of close like that. It's like you're boiling. It's a boiling pot, just basically about ready to explode. You just that's uh, just some rage. Some Violence, you know, just just things like that. You know, she talks about can't buy this either. I can't see her till I'm foaming at the mouth. Mm-hmm. It's basically, it's just it's about a woman who just you know just starts gearing up and rage, 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 explodes, and and the video, and then finally at the end she's all calm and sedate. At the end, you know, it's like oh okay, <laughs> more like, more like simmer. The yeah, exactly. It
3: was uh. Baruca saw. Was that part Baruka. of
2: it? The- Baruca Salt. Baruca
3: Salt, Sorry, were they part of the Seattle grunge movement?
2: Uh, they. This is considered one of the top grunge songs, but they. Yeah. But they weren't from Seattle, so no.
3: Interesting. They, I,
0: I thought it was "I Can't Fight This Seether anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a song? Oh, that was REO Speedwagon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it just basically it just uh, it, it just someone who has animal instincts that just blows up and then you know moves on. The flip sides, another good uh, Grunge song, "All Hell, All Hell Me." Um, they had another song called "Number One Blind," and then one of my favorite songs that actually came out, you know, later in the '90s was "Volcano Girl." That's another fun, fun song. If you're interested in going to see something like, you know, if you want to dig up. This song's great. This is, this is, you know, this is punching you. I haven't heard
0: this in a long time yeah. until about a week and a half ago. I heard it on Lithium on uh, Sirius oh, yeah. XM. Oh, yeah? I, I just found that channel. I'm like, this is some good stuff. Yeah. And this song came on them. And then Wayne picks it. And I'm like, all right, man. Yeah.
1: It's a sign. It's a sign from the universe. <laughs> hey, they're
2: so popular. As a group named themselves after this song called Seether. And they're still out there touring. They're touring with the original lineup. So, Uh-oh. you know, go see them. Go download the songs. You'll enjoy it.
0: Yeah, thanks, Wayne. That'll be a good video. We're gonna move it back to
2: Ro- uh, no to Bruce. To Bruce me. is ending this up. Uh oh, I don't think this is a female lead. Yeah, it is good. not a
1: female lead. This sounds like it's uh, maybe a little bit of a throwback. I was gonna say back this is not from 1994, is it? It's, it's not from a- 94. 49. Yeah, you gotta go even further back than that. 39. Uh almost. Almost. So the song itself, I'm actually cheating a little bit. The the song actually came out in early October ninety four. We're we're profiling September ninety four, but I wanted to get this one in there. Uh this is Lucas with the lid off by Lucas. Lucas Sikon is a rapper. Okay. From he's a Danish rapper, so he's from Denmark.
3: So is he talking about a toilet lid?
1: I think he's talking about his hat Oh Oh, I thought he was talking
2: about what they used to measure marijuana with Well, there there could be that Used to be called a lid Yeah Am I dating myself there?
1: Yes Well, speaking of dating yourself The song is built off a sample of When Buddha Smiles by Benny Goodman from 1935 Oh, wow So the song itself was number 29 on the Billboard Hot 100, so it kind of really? hit, the, hit the pop. Do
0: you remember the song? I do not remember it at I all. I don't either. It's the first time I ever heard <laughs> it. Did you remember it when you
1: heard it, or did you it know I did. It I did. My uh, my brother was actually introduced me to this one, and it's just an interesting it's, it's feel. It's a, fun, it's a fun, song. fun song. I don't
2: remember it, but I mean, I was listening to alternative radio or classic rock music.
0: So. You know what though, Blues Traveler could have done a cover of this. You think? I mean, yeah, know, he scatting. would have been playing, yeah, yeah. Scatting and playing
1: his harmonica. So, the video from this song is one you need to see. Uh, Michael Gondry, uh, he's a French filmmaker and he directed the video. It was shot in one continuous take with no edits, cuts or enhancements. We can't even do that on What the Riff. No, (laughs) you got that right. (laughs) He said about it, there's no post-production at all. It was nominated for Best Music Video Short Form at the 37th Grammy Awards in 1995, and it was beat out by David Fincher's Love is Strong, The Rolling Stones. Oh. Hmm. Well, this—I mean, this is a not a
0: short song, and to do a continuous take, especially it's, in '94, you're talking about
1: film. It's really interesting. It's not really interesting because he's—he's got TVs going in the background, so he, he'll—they'll zoom into one section, and there's something going on the television that—that that, that plays into it, and then—but the—and then the actors are obviously, and the the artists are having to move around during yeah. the, during the set. So it's worth—put it's worth seeing. That would be fine.
2: All right, some of the top hits of September 1994. I'll make love to you, boys to men. We already had Stay Stable, Lisa Loeb, Wild Night, John and Michelle to Try saying
0: that again. Yeah,
2: I'm not. <laughs> when can I see you, baby face? Stroke you up, changes faces. One thing I do want to say, uh, if you're out there, Give us a review on iTunes. You know, it, it, it helps us out. You know, yeah. Gives us a little bit more. Uh, you know, if if you're enjoying stuff like this, you know, it'll help us out. We're also Please. on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Yeah. This video will be on Facebook. Yeah. That and was the riff.
1: And go out there and and download these songs. The the, the artist. is you know, they're just they're really talented. That's the thing that we we enjoy about it.
0: And send a check to Marbury Creative Group. <laughs> <laughs> We do take credit cards. (laughs) (laughs) PayPal. All right. So now I guess we got to round it out with our instrumental track. And this is a suggestion that came from Bruce.
1: Is it mine?
2: Oh, I don't know whose is out there. This is
1: uh, Widespread Panic. Um, I'm not sure who came up with this one.
2: Well, I guess it was a Jam Bam. I may have thrown it on there. Who knows? (laughs) It was on the the
0: spreadsheet.
2: Yeah. Well, Widespread Panic did come up with an album at that time. Yeah. Ain't Life Grand. Uh, And
0: this is called L.A. Maybe it's after. uh, It's no disco. No, this is. A few more albums
2: that came out Body Count, Sugar, File Under Easy Listening. Bad Religion, Stranger Than Fiction. Notorious B.I.G. had his album, Ready to Die, and I guess eventually. Yeah, he would. Yeah, it was
3: prophetic, wasn't it? Oh.
2: Tupac had Thug Life Volume 1, so, you know.
3: He didn't last much longer.
2: Yeah, uh, th- I think those two had something in common. Did he ever time. get to Volume 2? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think know. after he was
0: dead, wasn't he? Yeah,
2: it may have been. Sinead O'Connor had Universal Mother. Slayer had Divine Intervention. Walter Becker had 11 tracks of Whack. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer? Really? Yeah. They must have got back together, I guess, in the hot seat. Now, none of them are around anymore. Believe it or not, the Muppets had an album out called Kermit Unplugged. Nice. (laughs) That's actually kind of a fun... (laughs) I mean, there's Alice Cooper. There's a bunch of people that played with him on this.
1: Kermit, unplugged and off the hand. I can't believe none of us picked that as a style. I
2: I thought about it. By the
1: way, I think Carl Palmer is still alive. Oh, is it? Oh, okay.
2: R.E.M. Monster. I think
0: Animal is still alive, too, from the Muppets.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Brooks and Dunn had their country album out. And finally, Dave Matthews Band had Under the Table and Dreamy. Talk about another, and that was his debut album. It
1: came out in '94. Yeah, I thought it came out in '95. Yep. Wow.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, I mean, this is September '94, so it's the, yeah. getting into the end yeah, of no, those.
2: A, a few movies that we didn't get to. Uh, Shawshank was in Redemption. Redemption came That's out. That's huge. Uh, man. With Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. That's a classic, classic movie. See it if you haven't. Ed Wood. Uh, Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. Yeah. Uh, combined for that one and that was actually fun about our director uh the river wild with meryl streep and kevin bacon if you remember that one terminal velocity was Char- charlie sheen time cop time cop john claude van damme quiz show was uh directed by robert refford uh that was a real ralph fines was like the lead on that that was that was really good one. Had the next Karate Kid with Pat Morita, and I didn't know Hillary Frank was the was the girl. Was in the that. girl yeah. interesting? But it, it was uh, the fourth in the redemption of that.
0: You know, I like I I like this uh, what we're listening to here. So widespread panic. Did they do a lot of instrumentals like this? Yeah,
2: they were a jam band. That, that, that was the whole thing. If you go maybe. back and listen to their albums, they, they they are very much like that. Maybe once again, like Loose Trevor, maybe something. You guys want to investigate? I'm not a big fan of that, but you know.
0: I think we featured a couple of their uh, st- staff picks, okay, or at least one. But uh, I wasn't familiar with this. I'm kind of digging it. Okay. Yeah, it's cool.
2: Well, this has been September 1994. You've been listening to What the Riff, and I'm Wayne.
1: I'm Rob. I'm Brian, and I'm Bruce.
2: Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to What the Riff.
0: We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What The Riff?